Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. Today's show is sponsored by Mikasa Home Inspections, Calgary's top-rated home inspection company. Mikasa understands that the highest quality of service is essential, so make sure to call Mikasa before your next real estate deal. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Hey guys, I'm your host, Corey Peckford. On today's show, Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, I had the honor of speaking with Jared Como. My big takeaways from our conversation was that you don't need to have the best credit score or be in the best financial position to start your real estate investing journey. And the other one was just, we talked about having the right people around you. So Jared gave some excellent tips and shared what he's learned on his journey. So I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. It's my honor to have Jared Como here today on the show. And I just like to welcome him to the show. So. Welcome, Jared. Good, Corey. Good, you? Good, man. Good. Enjoying the sunshine here in Kelowna. Oh, that's sweet. I was there a few weeks ago with my family. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Is it hot? Yeah. Last I checked, it was like 38 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to be close to water. Yeah. We'll be going to the beach with the dogs here right away. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to start, just if you could just tell me about yourself, how you got into real estate investing. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, I mean, it's funny. When I think about when I got into investing in real estate, I never really thought of it as a vehicle to achieve financial freedom or wealth like that. And I have a friend of mine who all the time, every couple of months, he'd throw it out in our group chat. Have you guys ever thought of investing in real estate? And every single time I would just brush it off as like, oh yeah, whatever. The way I was raised, it was not that of like investing or anything, right? Nobody in my family invests or anything like that. And one instance where he said, have you ever thought of investing in real estate? And I thought, you know what? Finally, I'm going to take a look further into this. And that's when I kind of discovered places like Bigger Pockets and started listening to Brandon Turner and the podcast. And that's kind of how I got into it. And from there, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to it, Corey. It just kind of snowballed. Once you start listening to Bigger Pockets, then you discover Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's- Everything kind of starts snowballing until really you're ready to take action, right? Yeah, and, for sure. Exactly. So that's kind of how I got into it. It was hesitantly, but once I started really digging into it, it was off to the races, really. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Bigger Pockets is such a good podcast for you know content it, it, learning. Absolutely. And what really kind of sunk the hook in was when I discovered Corey and Tiffany Young over at Fearless. And I attended one of their boot camps and I went into this boot camp thinking there was no way I'd be able to invest in real estate because in January of 2019, I actually filed a consumer proposal. So even to this day, I'm still dealing with that, with a consumer proposal and like low credit rating, right? Yeah. And I went into this boot camp thinking, oh, you know what? There's no way somebody who just filed bankruptcy and has a 500 credit score could ever invest in real estate and become successful. And I went to that boot camp with that mindset and that mindset was completely wiped out because I didn't know about joint ventures and other people's money and all that kind of stuff, right? That boot camp is actually where I won the scholarship into their Ignited program for a year. And that's really where everything started for me was getting into this program with Corey and Tiffany Young 
and really understanding that you don't need your own money. Hell, you don't need your own credit score to be able to invest in real estate, right? And from there, I've just built a successful wholesaling business and off to the races. That's actually a super inspiring story because I'm sure I I would be feeling the same way, you know, had I gone to that. And so did you hear something that kind of encouraged you to even sign up? Like what way do you even sign up for that? I guess in the first place. Goodness. You know what? I was in a mastermind with Julia Pereira and Andrea Warkington. And in the mastermind private Facebook group, somebody shared a link to this boot camp saying, hey, I think this would be a great opportunity for you to kind of start learning more about investing and joint ventures and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I paid the 40, $50, whatever it was for the boot camp, And that's kind of how I heard about it. And I had no idea what the Ignited program was with them, which is just their year-long program, their $10,000 year-long program that gives you everything you need, plus weekly calls and stuff like that. And that year-long program really helped catapult me. And I learned it all just through Mastermind. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then, so how did you start? So was it wholesaling? Is that how you started to raise money? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I had no idea where I fit in, in the whole investing landscape. You know, it was so overwhelming with wholesaling or joint venturing or rentals, rent to own, fix and flips. I didn't know where I belonged, right? And because I didn't know where I belonged, I knew I needed a coach. So I hired my coach, Wayne Hillier, and went to his cabin retreat, his very first cabin retreat that he had. And that's when we realized, okay, you don't have any capital. You don't have a credit score. How do we start raising capital to be able to get into rentals or fix and flips or whatever we need to do? And it was at that cabin retreat in November of 2019 where we decided that for me, it was to start wholesaling and becoming an expert in analyzing deals in all the different investing avenues. Because as a wholesaler, you need to be an expert in all investing strategies because you're getting these properties under contract that will require three or four different exit strategies for the investor, right? So we figured, okay, we need to get a wholesaling business going. And that weekend is when Fortitude Home Solutions was created. That's awesome. And you know what's kind of neat? A lot of people will kind of stand on the sidelines, maybe go to YouTube, university, listen to podcasts, but you actually you know, put up the money and, and actually got coaching. I think that's smart, right? Just your learning curve is going to be shortened right? and you're going to be kept accountable too, right? With what well, you're doing. Absolutely. And hiring a coach. And I've been with Wayne now for three years as a mentee of his. And I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't had hired him as my coach, right? So it was one of the best decisions of my life, really. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Can we kind of, dive into wholesaling, kind of maybe your first deal, how you found your first deal and and start with that? Sure, absolutely. So my first deal is actually not a deal that I found in Calgary, but it was a deal in Edmonton. And this is a deal that came with so many lessons that I'll take to the grave with me. (laughs) And I'm happy to share those lessons. So I put up my Kijiji ads, you know, I had 
all kinds of marketing going. And I got a phone call from this gentleman in Edmonton who had a condo that he wanted to sell. So he gives me a call. We have our conversations. I kind of figure out motivation. He's moving to BC for work. And it comes down to finding out what the price is. And for me, I've always thought, eh, condos, not huge into that. Because for the most part, when I'm looking for wholesale deals, I'm looking for something that somebody can flip. Because for the most part, if somebody's looking for a rental, like a turnkey rental, they're just going to go to the MLS. They're not going to come to a wholesaler. So wholesalers, for the most part, don't focus on turnkey or anything like that. It's mostly distressed properties. So found out that this condo needed a little bit of work. And initially I'm thinking, uh, you know, dealing with condo boards and needing all kinds of different permissions from the condo board, do your innovations. I don't know who is going to take this deal, right? Plus condo doc reviews, like that kind condo of doc too, reviews, right? 100%. And the condo fees on this property were nearly $800 a month. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Exactly. So I'm thinking, oh, you know what? Fine. Let's just talk. Let's find out a couple things. He's like, okay, I want $300,000 for this condo. I'm like, no, you're not going to get $300 for this condo from me. And I came back at like $250,000. And he's like, okay, let's kind of meet in the middle. Let's go two sixty-five. I'm like, okay, before I say yes or no to that counter, I need to see condo documents. I need to see an estoppel certificate. I need to see reserve fund studies. I need to see meeting minutes, all that stuff, right? So ended up getting all that stuff. Everything kind of came back clean. But in the middle of those negotiations, one of my very, very good friends, Mike Petrie, passed away in a car accident. Oh, no. So I ended up ghosting this seller because I was grieving. I was in mourning, came to Kelowna here for the funeral. And I had just ghosted this seller for two and a half, three weeks. About three days after I get home from the funeral, I get a text from the seller saying, hey, Jared, can we have a deal at $220,000? He went from $300,000 to $265,000 to $220,000. So maybe, now in my maybe mind, ghosting is a technique. That... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. So instantly, I know the seller is now desperate, right? So I'm thinking to myself, well, you know what? At 200, yes, we have a deal at $220,000. I didn't tell him that, though. In my head, I'm thinking, yeah, we have a deal, but it would be a better deal at $210,000, right? So I went back to him like, you know what? I mean... I looked at the condo documents. There were a few things that concerned me. There weren't really, but just a, a negotiation strategy. I'd feel more comfortable offering 210. Is that okay? Could we meet in the middle of 215? Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> had you seen the place at this point or no? You hadn't walked through it, nothing? Like it's just. Uh, oh. I had oh, seen had, pictures. Okay. I know <laughs> I had seen pictures. I had not seen the property in person. So this was pretty much sight unseen. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? At 215, like my thought process in that is, okay, condos are a pain in the butt to deal with. Condo boards are a pain in the butt to deal with. But because it's such a good deal, like this seller initially paid $400,000 for this property. Like because it's such a good deal, I'm sure there's somebody who would at least want to take a shot at it, right? So I got it under contract for 215. 
and sold the contract for $15,000. And sure enough, I found a buyer for it and uh, was able to assign that contract. Awesome. So you sold it for two thirty dollars when you... I sold it for $230,000. That's right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So um, that's kind of the story of my first deal and how it kind of went down. A lot of lessons to be learned there. Did you do any other condos after that or did you just kind of stay away from them? No, I've heard, like, I've been in contact with that seller because since they bought it and from what I'm hearing, it's been nothing but headaches for them and dealing with the condo board. Like the condo board is not approving their renovations and not approving their usage of the elevator because they're not using condo board approved contractors. Hmm. So it's just a pain. And one of the biggest lessons I'm learning through this whole thing is even if it's a good enough deal because of condo boards, it's just not worth it wholesaling anymore. One way that a friend of mine, Carlos, told me about condos was God allowed Satan to create one thing, and that one thing is condo boards. <laughs> <laughs> I so haven't he, heard that one before. <laughs> the way he puts it to me. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how my first deal kind of went down. That's awesome. How about, can you speak about your first detached deal then? Like, was it quite a bit different? Yeah, yeah. So that was a lot different because you don't have condo boards, you don't have condo documents, you don't have any of that, right? Yeah. All wholesalers have their different strategies and the way they do things, right? Some look for offers on their deals to maximize their profits on their wholesale fee. The way that I do it is I have a list of buyers who are looking for specific things. And once I find that specific thing, that's the first buyer that I call say, hey, I got this property. It's exactly what you're looking for. This is my fee. So with my first detached property, I put it under contract for $425. The after repair value was $680 with about $110,000 worth of renovations in there. Don't ask me to quote exact numbers because this was three and a half years ago. (laughs) Was it diamond in the rough? Then, or, yeah, oh yeah, 100%. It was off market. Um, yeah. The seller was just about to go into, was it? Goodness, there's been so many deals that I'm pretty sure this one, the seller was about to go into foreclosure. Like he was within days of having the bank foreclose on his house. So he called my bandit sign and it was a pretty straightforward negotiation, to be quite honest with you. I came in, I said, okay, this is my cash offer. Kind of take it or leave it because it was in pretty bad shape and he's like i'll take it like (laughs) okay (laughs) that's not gonna happen very many times in a wholesaler's (laughs) career where you give a seller a what seems like a which i mean realistically it was a low ball right like market value for the property was 520 and i offered 420 right so he's like i just need to sell this property like I have enough equity in it where it's fine. I'll just take the $100,000 hit. I just can't have this bank foreclose on me and ruin my 850 credit score or whatever. It wasn't that because he had missed a few. It's like, I can't take any more of a hit on my credit score. So I just need to sell this thing. Like, okay, fine. One lesson that I did learn from that SFH was as a wholesaler, you don't have to as a wholesaler, but what I like to do is in my buyer's package, I like to have home inspections done. 
it's $500. It's no big deal. Well, you know, I mean, it depends on the size of the house. For that house, it was $500. It was like an 1,100 square foot bungalow. And it's just something that you can recoup in your fee, in your wholesale fee. So it wasn't a huge deal paying for it out of pocket, right? It's not a big deal. If I'm not able to assign the contract, whatever, it's just cost of doing business, right? But a lot of my buyers really appreciate having that, not having to use any of their condition period to set up a home inspection. Because typically I put between a one to two week condition period with conditions of financing and inspection. And typically when I assign a contract, it's not going to have those two full weeks anymore because I got to find the buyer and then it's going to take some time to assign it. So typically my end buyer, my investor is going to be out between one day to a week. And sometimes they even end up buying the contract from me with a day left on conditions. So if they already have that, if I am able to provide a home inspection for them in the package, they don't need those two weeks to set up a home inspector to come out to the property. That's smart. You can just pass on to the report to them, say these were the findings. Um, 100%. Exactly. So my due diligence as a wholesaler, I pretend as if I'm the one buying the house, right? So I put my two weeks for conditions and then I start doing the inspection. The financing, that's up to my end buyer. If they don't have the financing ready to go, then, I mean, that's on them, right? If they say, yeah, I'll buy this contract from you, and I lay out here are the conditions, financing and inspection. Here's the inspection. Now you got to get your finances in order. And if they come and if they say, yeah, don't worry about financing, I've got it under control. And then I assign the contract to them. That's now their problem. Yeah. yeah. If, if they can't find financing, then it's on them to tell the seller that they're not waiving conditions. Right. So that was one of my biggest lessons on my first single family was get that home inspection done. It shows that your buyers, your investor buyers, that you are as invested in this property as they are, right? It shows that you're serious, that you're an actual wholesaler. You do your job as you're supposed to be because as a wholesaler, you're selling a service, right? It's exactly what you're doing. You're selling a service. You're not just selling a contract, right? Sure, you're selling the contract. That's where you make your money, but you're selling the service of finding the property, negotiating the price, doing the home inspection, all that for investor buyers who want nothing to do with negotiating price and just want to buy something, flip it and walk away with profit. That's all they want to do. Yeah, They don't want to have to deal with negotiations or anything. They don't want to have to try and hone their negotiating skills. That's what I'm for. That's what they're paying me 15 to $20,000 for, right? Yeah. So if you get a sense that the buyer, this potential buyer doesn't have their financing in order, would you just kind of keep going down the line then and just to you you kind of have yeah i mean i could be a crummy wholesaler and just take their money and run because i do not assign the contract until i have funds in trust right i make sure that they give their lawyer my wholesale fee to send to my lawyer to give to me right i will not change the buyer's name i will not sign the assignment contract until i have verification that funds are in trust. Once I know funds are in trust, then I'll assign the contract. But some wholesalers, 
I don't know any who do this, but I've heard horror stories where a wholesaler will get a contract and they will just get paid, assign the contract and wipe their hands of it and walk away. And then next thing they hear, the end buyer has not waived conditions, not satisfied conditions. And now they're coming back to you for their money back because they didn't end up closing on the contract. At the end of the day, it's not my problem, right? You bought this contract from me. You knew the contract going into it. If you couldn't find financing for it, that's kind of on you. But I don't like putting my sellers in that situation where now all of a sudden the seller who is just about to get their house foreclosed on is now having somebody back out because that's going to look bad on me because Mm -hmm. the seller was dealing with me. And I'm telling the seller, listen, I'm changing the name on the contract, but I promise you that's not going to change the sale moving forward. You're still getting your money. It's just coming from somebody else, right? Yeah. And then if my end buyer turns around and doesn't fulfill their contractual obligations, that's going to come back on me. So yes, to make a long, a short answer long, (laughs) I do make sure that my end buyers, my investors will 100% be able to close. So I think I might know a bit of what your answer on this one, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What would you recommend? So let's say listener out there has never done wholesaling and they want to start learning and actually start to do it, right? What would you recommend to someone new? And obviously this is perfect. Someone that doesn't have great credit or doesn't have all that cash in the bank or, you know, like what would you recommend to them? Well, wholesaling is a great way to get into investing in real estate and raising capital because you don't need any money to do it. What you need is a ton of time, right? Because wholesaling is, it's not a passive income vehicle. It's very much a job. You're out there every day, knocking on doors, doing flyers, talking to sellers. For somebody who wants to get into wholesaling, I mean, I guess the biggest thing that I can give them for advice is talk to other wholesalers, find out what they're doing. You can spend some money and get some flyers made out and go do flyering. I mean, realistically, the first thing you need to do is become good at negotiating. That's the first thing you need to do, because if you're not good at negotiating, you're not going to get any properties under sale for the price that you need to get them under for. Yeah, yeah. So never split the difference by Chris Voss is the Bible on negotiating. Chris Voss was the number one hostage negotiator for the FBI. He taught me everything that I've learned for negotiations. I was going to ask you a little later what your favorite book is, but I... <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert spoiler (laughs) it's one of them that's one of them that's one okay Um, i'll get another one from you later yeah that's one of them yeah it's just go out and do it honestly put out some ads on kijiji we buy houses i'm sure everybody's seen those signs up on light posts you know on the boulevards we buy houses cash and then a phone number that's a wholesaler that's a wholesaler a wholesaler put that sign there well, a wholesaler could also been a flipper. A lot of flippers do that as well to try and get off-market deals themselves so they don't have to pay that between five to $20,000 wholesale fee, right? Yeah. I want to tell a lot of people, especially in Calgary and Canada and Alberta, try to avoid taking advice from the people over at Bigger Pockets. Don't get me wrong, Bigger Pockets is phenomenal, but a lot of the stuff they talk about on that podcast and that show and all that is very US centric. Yeah. The ideology is the same, but the way strategies are 
implemented in Canada are completely different than how they're implemented in the United States, right? I spoke to a couple recently who I'm good friends with now. They're fairly new in investing in Canada. They paid $20,000 for a course that's based in the U.S. And those teachers told them that you couldn't assign contracts in Canada. Said that that was illegal, that you just couldn't do it. And that blew my mind. They told me that and I'm thinking, that's my entire business strategy. I've been doing that for the past three and a half years. (laughs) And the horror story that I heard from them, having paid so much money for a US-based coaching program, broke my heart. Because these two are 23 years old and all they wanted to do was build a better life for themselves through investing. And then they paid $20,000 for it just to be told everything in in terms of the United States. The financial rules are so different too, right? Like 30 year fix. I wish they had that in Canada. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Other than those tips that I laid out, hire a coach as well, because a coach is going to get you to where you need to be so much faster. Right. Yeah. Keep you accountable too. Exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So we'll keep a little bit more wholesaling. Then I want to talk about you're doing a flip and you got some kind of some neat ideas going with that. Yeah. But with the market changing, we know it's pulling back and it's a lot different than it was four months ago. What are some new opportunities that you see with this new market conditions? Yeah. So you know what? A really big opportunity right now, or at least coming up is going to be agreements for sale. So Basically, what that is, is it's a creative strategy. It's seller financing, essentially, is what it is. And there's going to be a lot of people who got into a five-year fixed term or even a variable term, you know, when the bank's interest rate was at 0%, right? So they have a 1.5% fixed term or 1.9%, I mean, not variable because that changes with the market, but... These people with these fixed terms at sub 2% interest rates are going to be coming up for renewal and they're going from a 1.5% interest rate to 5.2% interest rate. People are going to be seeing mortgage payment jumps of probably nearly six, $700 a month. And that's going to push a lot of families, a lot of people to the point of having to make some really tough decisions to the point where they can't afford their house anymore because they didn't anticipate a three and a half percent interest rate jump in that term to when they were new coming up. So agreements for sale is going to be an opportunity to purchase some houses as an investor because a lot of these people aren't going to have equity to pay a realtor. And if you don't have equity in your house to pay a realtor, a realtor is going to turn around and they're going to say, okay, well, I'll take you on as a client. I'll sell your house, but you need to cut me a $20,000, $30,000 check right here right now before I render any services. Because I can't assure that you're going to pay me at the end because there's no equity in your house. So agreements for sale is going to be a wonderful way and opportunity to get in some of these properties because you're essentially taking over their mortgage, essentially. That's a very simplified way of explaining it. I'm by no means an expert. If people want to learn how to get into this strategy, Barry McGuire teaches it. It's extremely powerful strategy because you can get into a property for 0% down for $0 down and you have full control of the property 
without even having to go get a mortgage. Because essentially, the seller stays on mortgage and they are your bank. They stay on mortgage and title. However, there is obviously legal paperwork stating that you as the investor are now financially obligated to meet these financial obligations. So a lot of people are going to be very desperate coming up. And that's going to be a great opportunity for investors. So go check out Barry McGuire. I mean, I wasn't expecting on giving him a plug here in the September 24th, I think, in Edmonton. He's got another one, right? That's right. He has a live AFS September 24th up in Edmonton. I'm hoping to be up there myself. I think I'm going to go too, actually, to that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not super expensive. It depends what you consider expensive, right? $1,300 to learn a strategy that's going to be able to skyrocket your... I mean, my coach, Wayne Hillier, he's done... Goodness, I can't even remember how many agreements for sale he's done. And I think he's only put in like $20,000 of his own money over a portfolio of 15 plus properties because of agreements for sale. That's how powerful this strategy is. You can get into these properties for no money down and have full control over it. That is the biggest opportunity I see in the future, especially with the way the current market's going. Realistically, every strategy is going to work all the time as long as you run your numbers properly right? Like when it comes to flipping, make sure your renovation costs are bang on and make sure your ARV is bang on. If you can still make a profit in a level to down market, you can still make it work, right? You might end up sitting on the market maybe two months instead of one month, instead of selling within days of listing. But if you underwrite those numbers into your deals, it's still going to work, right? But yeah, agreements for sale is a huge opportunity coming up. And there's a lot of people coming to Alberta who understand that situation or that strategy. We're going to start dominating because not a lot of people in Alberta are doing it. Hmm. So if people want to be able to do this in their own backyard, they better get on the pony right now or else somebody from Ontario is going to come and start doing it. For sure. Yeah. For real estate investment advice, there's something that stands out. What would be advice that you've been given that, you know, just stands out for you? Oh, goodness. Goodness, goodness, making me think here. I would say, I mean, biggest advice I got was it's not generally like an investing centric advice, but I implemented it into my investing. And that's that the self-made man is a myth. That's the biggest piece of advice I've ever gotten. You know, there's people who claim to be self-made. You know, I didn't have the help of anybody. You know, I had seven cents in my pocket or You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger said in a commencement ceremony speech some years ago, this is where I learned this philosophy, was he came to America from Austria with a couple dollars in his pocket and that's it. And he was going to Gold's Gym and he was talking to a bunch of these bodybuilders and a bunch of them got together and came to his tiny little apartment that he was living in, in Los Angeles, and brought him everything he needed. Bedding, cutlery, plates, everything he kind of needed, like the essentials. And he said that if it wasn't for them and his friends at Gold's Gym who brought him everything he needed to survive in this one small apartment, we would have never had the Terminator. We would have never had the guy who went and killed predators and save the world or whatever, right? 
I'm sure a lot of your viewers and listeners will know who Stefan Arnio is. He wrote the book Self-Made, except in this book Self-Made, he talks about all the people who helped him learn his sales skills when he was selling vacuum cleaners. You know, anybody who says they're self-made is, for lack of a better term, full crap. Because everybody's had somebody. It's how soon you realize you need help from somebody. Overnight successes, I like to call them, even though it's not overnight success, to the people who struggle for years on end, right? For me, when I realized, okay, I need a coach, I knew right away. Like I never experienced the whole spinning my wheels in investing for years and years because I recognized immediately that I was going to need some help. And I got that help in Wayne. And I hired Wayne and my career skyrocketed from there, right? So that's the biggest advice I can give to new people looking into getting into investing is, I mean, you can read all the books in the world, but it's taking action and putting money where your mouth is that sets apart success from, I don't want to say failure, but. Yeah, just knowledge, right? In your head. Exactly. Without action, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, for sure. That's great. That's awesome advice. So you're doing something in Calgary right now. You're doing a property flip. I think it's super cool how you've structured it. You've got an event right that happens every two weeks, right? And you're inviting basically anybody that's interested in learning property flipping and seeing the process, that kind of thing, out every two weeks. Maybe you could just speak about that and kind of give me some information about that. Absolutely. So we got this property in Lake Bonavista. We closed on it August 1st. Well, July 29th, and we had our first investor meetup on possession day. Well, the day after possession. We're basically allowing investors who want to get into flipping, who want to see the process, to come to the property. We're opening our doors, opening our hearts (laughs) to whoever wants to come out and take a look at the process as it goes along. So every two weeks, we're hosting a flip meetup at the property to kind of go over what's happened in the past two weeks, right? So we have a meetup this weekend on the uh, 21st, Sunday the 21st, and then every two weeks after that. We had to postpone last week's to this week because we actually found asbestos in the walls. So we needed to remediate that before we could let anybody in the house because we didn't want anybody being in any sort of danger going into this property just to come and take a look at it, right? So we had to do the whole asbestos abatement process, and we decided, you know, we're going to cancel last week. We're just going to push it to this week. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be here because I'm in Kelowna for this weekend, but my business partner, Crystal, is going to be there to kind of show everybody what's happened, The people who were there on week one are going to see the walls gone. The investor guest book is now gone. If anybody follows me on social media, our first meetup, we basically started a new thing, the investor guest book. And if there's a wall that's going to be coming down, we're just going to have everybody who comes to our first meetup to just sign their name, just and take pictures of it. And it's kind of, it's a fun thing, right? Like if you have kids, they can come and draw on the wall. My partners on this project are. Wayne and Gabby, so my mentors, and Matt Bordian, and Taylor Royan. And 
Wayne and Gabby brought their daughter Everly down and she had a blast just drawing on the wall and making nice little pictures. It was a lot of fun. All the and, stuff you're you're normally not allowed to do at home. Go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we're going to be walking people through the property. You know, coffee donuts are going to be there. It's a great opportunity for everybody to network with each other, to meet new investors, all the while watching a flip go from possession to sale. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I'm really excited for all the future meetups. Yeah, it's such a great idea. And, you know, there's the networking that is also going to happen and people to learn, opportunity for people to learn and see it. It's so good. Well, and that's the thing, like they have a lot of flip meetups and stuff up in Edmonton and you'll, you'll see it all over social media. They're always doing meetups up in Edmonton and nobody was doing these kinds of big meetups in Calgary. So I saw a niche. I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's just, every two weeks you can come and take a look what's up because realistically with flips week to week, there's not much being done, but if you do it every two weeks, every time somebody walks into the house, there's going to be major changes. Yeah. Right. What's your goal, like your end goal to have this one done and basically ready to sell? So obviously we want to get it on the market before the snow flies. So we're hoping early October is what we're hoping. We had a little bit of delay with the asbestos, but it wasn't too bad. It was about a week and a half delay. So a week and a half behind. Uh, We're hoping our contractors can kind of make up a little bit of time and make up that week and a half. But uh, we're still kind of targeting early October first couple weeks of October. How extensive is this flip? Like, is it kitchen? Are you taking down walls, that kind of stuff? Is it structural? Yeah, so so there was actually a wall that separated the kitchen and the living area. So we removed that wall to make a completely open concept. We're redoing the three bathrooms. There's no half baths in this house whatsoever. There's three full baths. There's the ensuite, upstairs bath, downstairs bath. They're all full. And we have five bedrooms in the property. So wall's been removed. The wall in the master has been removed so that we can make the doors to both the ensuite and the walk-in closet a little bigger and a little bit uh, more enticing because the door into the walk-in closet was only 28 inches wide. So wow, it, 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 was not a, it was not a walk-in closet. It was a shimmy-in closet, right? So we're going to expand that door so that it is a real true walk-in closet, redo the bathrooms, the entire kitchen, new stainless steel appliances, brand new cabinetry, gas range with a nice stainless steel drop-down hood. I believe we're doing electric fireplaces with a feature wall, carpeting all of downstairs because right now it's just tile downstairs. It's super echoey. It's really loud down there. So we add some carpet. It's going to really make it a little less echoey. It's going to really kill the sound down there. It'll be a little bit more spittable i guess you could say <laughs> inviting yeah what year of property would it be 70s so, 80s so the house was built in 1969 what's the 69 okay 1969 and that's why there is asbestos in all the drywall mud but that being said all the big ticket items are very recent the furnace was done in 2020 hot water tank 2017 and the roof 2011 oh, that's so good. All those big ticket items that would cost a lot of money to get HVAC in or plumbers in, we don't have to deal with those. Perfect. That saved us, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars right there on the renovation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, doing new windows, 
flooring, paint. We're looking at about a hundred to one hundred and ten thousand dollars worth of renovation costs. That's what you budget it. That's right. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so we're gonna just transition now. I'm gonna hit you with some quick questions and just sure. whatever comes to mind, just throw it at me. Okay. Sure. So what what's an app or a software that you use for your business that you just couldn't live without? <laughs> the calculator. <laughs> the what? Your the phone? calculator on my phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, no, uh, Google Sheets. Google Sheets. Google Sheets. Absolutely, it has all my analysis spreadsheets on there. I couldn't do anything without it. Nice. If someone Googled your name, what's something they couldn't find out about you on Google? I used to weigh 330 pounds. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what you've done. That's a whole yeah. other show uh, talking about how you've transformed yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Okay, and then what's a favorite book? Favorite book, I got to go with, uh, well, my number one is obviously going to be Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It's the Bible for negotiating, but obviously you can't ever ask somebody what their favorite book is and have them not say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Self-Made by Stefan Arneo was also a very good book, but Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss tied with uh, The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump. And then what kind of activities do you do outside of real estate investing? Weightlifting. Olympic weightlifting is one of them. During the winter, me and the wife and my stepson, we go snowboarding. And I've just recently got myself a mountain bike. So we're going to start doing that a little bit more. Nice. Yeah. Well, Jared, it's been an awesome show. Thank you for joining me today. And I just wonder if people want to reach out to you online, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So my Instagram is at Olympic Lifting Investor, spelled exactly as it sounds. Or just reach out to me on Facebook, Jared Como, C-O-M-E-A-U. Hey, awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Corey. It was great. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. I'm an investment-focused real estate agent. I also have a certification as a master home inspector. I'm currently partnering on a property flip in Calgary with Shirley Evans, who I consider to be a professional property flipper. Shirley has a wealth of real estate knowledge. We're going to be offering Eventbrite meetups at the property. So if you're in the Calgary area, we'd love for you to stop by and check it out. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, my number is 587-893-2272. You can follow me on Instagram at PeckfordCorey or check out my website and that's just CoreyPeckford.com. Plus, you can also join our new Facebook group, Calgary Real Estate Investing Group. That's Craig for short. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.